Welcome to Sustainable Business Fridays. I'm your host, Katie Elman. Sustainable Business Fridays is the first podcast of its kind, bringing together students in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, not-for-profits, social entrepreneurship, and more. Twice monthly, these conversations go live via iTunes and Google Play. This week, Bard MBA Professor of Finance, Kathy Hippel, speaks with Nick Silver, author of Finance, Society, and Sustainability, How to Make the Financial System Work for the Economy, People, and Planet. Good morning, Nick. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. So I'd like to ask what your background in sustainability is that led you to want to write finance, society and sustainability. Okay, that's quite a long answer. So I was, um, uh, I am an actuary, uh, which is a finance qualification, a small profession. And um, uh, I I, uh, just could see that finance and the economy was not going down a sustainable path. And so over my career, I've tried to work in a way that to try and get the finance system or finance to be more sustainable. I think that's a general summary of my career to date. Um, And so this book is, um, uh, is an attempt to write down what I, how I really felt um, on the subject. So one of the things I took away from your book was a a recasting of the role of where finance sits. And obviously, you've had a career in finance. And I'd like you just to relate the statement that is in your um, in your summary, which is finance sits within the human economy. So it's we need to think of it in a broader context. And I was wondering if you could speak more about that. Yes, well, I, I, thanks for the question. I, I um, feel that finance, for me, the way I see it is it's like the control center of the economy. So it directs, the economy creates an excess, and then this is managed by the finance system, which then allocates where that surplus grow, goes. And that surplus, where it's allocated, is crucial for the future development of the economy because it, it, you know, it's where capital gets invested forms how um, the economy um, then develops in the future. So, for example, if a lot of capital is invested in renewable energy, we'll, we'll, we're likely to go, get towards a low-carbon economy. In China, they actively have directed capital towards their export sector, and so their export sector has boomed. Uh, whereas in the UK, we've uh, allowed capital to be directed into housing and finance, which has caused a housing bubble and, and uh, the, the expansion of the finance sector itself. And so um, I, I feel this, is, this function that finance performs is, is crucial for the economy. And so this leads naturally to the idea of the thesis of your book that the finance, uh, the role of finance is a disproportionately large role and that this is a systemic issue for major economies. And I find this curious because you've, in a sense, benefited from that with a long career in finance. So how, how do you square this? So the question is about my, my personal, you know, how can I justify working in finance? Well, um, I can't really, and I, I haven't worked. <laughs> so I, I actually gave my uh, 
career up effectively as a mainstream finance person quite a while ago. And uh, I've actually pursued most of my career using the tools of finance, which I feel are very powerful and important to try and um, you know, get um, uh, in investment into renewable energy or to um, help uh, developing countries develop their financial systems in a way that is sustainable. Uh, so, um, but I mean, I don't want to you know, denigrate people who work in finance and that, those, these were my choices, but I felt, you know, they, I, I, having thought about um, if I'm doing uh, good in the world I, or, or how I can do you know, uh, good in the world um, and earn a living, I thought um, the best I could do is actually use the tools of finance to try and uh, put our economy in a path to sustainability. So does that, um, so you've used the tools of finance for your work with climate bonds. Can you just say a couple of sentences about that work and then we'll delve into your book? Uh, yes, of course. Um, well, um, the, the idea behind climate bonds is you know, if we're going to um, uh, move our economies to a low carbon economy, right, we need uh, effectively another industrial revolution. So we're, we're locked into the high fossil economy uh, so high fossil fuel use economy and um uh, uh to to get yeah to build up a new economy which is based or powered by renewable energy needs a huge shift of capital so the idea behind climate bonds is you know is to create um an entity entities as in climate bonds which um are, are um asset owners um, like pension funds and insurance companies who are the managers of the uh, uh, capital can invest at, at the scale that's required to get that transformation. Right. Does, that, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. Do you would, like, would you like to say any more about your work with climate bonds? Um, well, um, well, it also sort of shows um, how with the right <laughs> skills, how easy uh, and and ideas you could get changed. So I, it originally started about six years ago where I mess up with my co-founder, Sean Kidney, in a, a coffee um, uh, 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 a shop in, in North London. And we said, you know, this is what we need to do. Um, and it seemed to, um, uh, setting up the organisation Climate Bonds, which really promotes um, climate or green bonds, um, uh, hit a sweet spot because there was... Yeah, lots of people within the finance, working in finance, were very keen to support us because they felt they could use their skills to do something they believed in, you know, to invest in the green economy. And um, we had a lot, we've got lots of backing from governments and, uh, 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 and people like the World Bank because um, they could see, yes, this is um, a, 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 a this is a good tool which works within the finance system, which could use, but which could, um, you know, do something beneficial, like invest in in in, uh, in the green economy. Uh, uh, and so, um, you know, just because I have some understanding of, of finance and try to apply it uh, in in a direction that um, uh, uh, that I felt was necessary, um, get my training. You know, allowed me to see this I, I felt that that uh i could actually make real change by using these these skills thank you nick and while doing this important work with climate bonds at scale you managed to write 
finance society and sustainability. So thank you for that. Um, one of your contentions that there are Potemkin markets in many of the developed economies. So for our listeners who are not sure who Potemkin is, um, yes. could you describe what Potemkin markets are and maybe a little background on who he was? Uh, okay, well, this is a, a, an idea, I've, a, 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 a title I've made up. So Marshal Grigor Potemkin was the lover of the Russian Empress Catherine the Great and uh, um, a legend, apocryphal story maybe, or maybe a real story. So when uh, Catherine was showing foreign dignitaries around Russia uh, or around the newly conquered Crimea. They wanted to show that, you know, that the EA yeah, was pros prosperous. So Potemkin got his, his, uh, his men to dress up as peasants and they, they built a, 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 a mock village, which they um, sort of uh, traveled around showing the dignitaries this is what Russian villages look like, whereas in fact they were they were fake villages. So, but uh, my analogy of of the Potemkin markets is we look at you know Wall Street and uh, the big banks and people these men staring at computer screens and we think this is the epitome of capitalism. But my book tries to show that actually you know the the people who are actually investing in financial markets are actually either governments. They are either things like the Cal Californian state teachers pension scheme or the Abu Dhabi Investment uh, Authority. Um, those are all the big, the biggest investors are basically government bodies. Um, uh, uh, and the stuff they are buying is often government bonds, right? So the governments are, are the buyers in the market and the sellers in the market. Um, and then the price. Uh, so uh, any um, shares, for example, Apple stocks are traded because of what the market thinks you know, Apple will do, but actually assets as a whole, financial assets as a whole, the, the most important price is the interest rate. And this interest rate is set by a government body, you know, the, the Fed, the central central bank. Um, and if you talk, I talk to lots of my friends in the, the uh, 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 who are investment managers, what do you do? They, they, they spend most of their time worrying about what the Fed is going to do, right? So I think, well, you know, these apparent epitomes of free markets how can this be a free market when when the buyers the sellers are are governments and the uh the uh, uh the the set setters of the price are also uh, uh governments um so um this then goes on to you know a, a, another thought which is well if you know, government and society are actually using these financial markets. Are the financial markets doing what the governments and society want them to do? Because if they were free markets which had just sprung up um, off their own accord, right, then then they have a right to exist because you know they they form themselves. But if they are actually the creations of of governments or government entities, then you have to ask is this the best way of doing whatever governments are using them to do? So leading to the oversized role of finance and perhaps the idea that um, they're too influenced by government, um, what is the other primary critique of your book? It seems to me that it is uh, the hegemony of traditional financial theory, which is that markets are efficient and markets will naturally maximize shareholder value. And why is this problematic in your view? 
Well, if we so I've just explained how how actually these financial markets are not free markets, right? And then we have all these theories um, about uh, based on the fact that they are free markets, right? So, and the theory it goes that in a, if you have a free market, um, uh, then everyone is as as well off as they could possibly be because the free markets are efficient. So, if I save money for my pension. I give it, put it in this free market. It's managed by private profit maximizing companies and they find the best use of this money. So the, uh, the, the users of, 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 of uh, 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 the best users of capital uh, get the capital because we're a free market. Right. But if my contention that actually this is all, uh, you know, the governments are setting the price, then how do we know um, uh, if, if, uh, if, if this is efficient, if this is an efficient market? So this is all a bit, uh, uh, maybe this is, seems a bit abstract, but in reality, if we then drill down to reality, how decisions are made, um, if you are, a, uh, um, if you are uh, an asset manager, um, you are... You're, you are making decisions based on uh, you're making decisions on where to invest your assets based on short-term performance and short-term performance is like how well company shares are doing this reflects the value of the company that you're investing in so if the uh, 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 if the price of the company is very high this you know this this means because because it's a free market uh, uh, um, that this company deserves to have the best, um, um, the best, uh, uh, you know, to attract the most investment, the investment in it. So that's the theory. But if this theory is wrong, right, then, then it hasn't, and, and this, this theory is embedded in all the regulation and behavior. So, so uh, um, all the regulations uh, that manage um, financial markets is to try and ensure that, that, uh, uh, that, that we have uh, 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 the, the, the price reflects the value of a company, right? So, and then anything else that the company does is, is called an externality. So it does, an externality, it means it's marginalized, it doesn't matter. So if the company is causing environmental pollution or is treating itself badly, that's not as important as the price, right? Whereas I want to turn that on the head and say, well, actually, you know, the, the, um, the, the idea of free market embodies the set of values where, which uh, wherein uh, uh, the uh, the the uh, capital is being allocated efficiently, but this value isn't correct. So we might like to think about uh, another set of values which we would like finance to to embody, uh, um, because you know if if we it's embodying one set of values which is not correct, we we can't do worse than that. We could we could we we need to think about. About uh, which values, what our values as a society are doing, uh, uh, and what our values as a society are, and uh, and how we would like uh, finance to to promote these values. So you're suggesting that we haven't been as intentional about the ethical basis for our current financial system, and we ought to be. So what would you have us move toward? Yeah. So just on that first point, the, the ethical basis is, is crucially important because, for example, people who work in Wall Street think that, you know, my job is to make money. And, but it, that is based on this 
you know, intellectual theory that that by them making money, they're making everyone else better off, right? Uh, but if that uh, if that set of values isn't applicable, then they they're not. You know, them making lots of money is not necessarily uh, 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 justified. So, what's the second half of your question? Uh, so, what you know, how do we get a new ethical basis for our financial system? Well, I think we need. Um, well, we need to, as a democracy, to decide on an ethical basis on on what we want our future to look like. Basically, because we the financial system is is allocating our assets and that causes our, our economy to develop in a certain direction. So what direction do we want our economy uh, to go? And the second is, is this point about you know, my point about the Potemkin markets, that, that the financial markets didn't just spring up independently. They are you know, the products of, of governments. So it's the governments have set them up on the basis of one set of ethical values. right? And, and so this needs to, needs to be made explicit because uh, I, I imagine a, an objection to my uh, ideas is, but we we shouldn't be talking about ethics. And I'm saying, well, you are because there's this, you know, the whole framework of the way the finance system works is based on a, a set of ethics, right? So you can't not, it, 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 there's not such a thing as, you know, let the market decide, right? Because that in itself is is an ethical, um, you're making an ethical choice in that in that statement. So one of your critiques is that by, in a sense, defaulting to sh maximizing shareholder value as the ethical basis for the financial market and hoping that that creates a larger pie for everyone, in fact, that is de facto um, an ethical values-based decision on how we allocate capital. And as a result, we have a disproportionately large financial system that has a goal of increasing its own revenues. And that in and of itself is not a neutral decision. Yes. And it, a no, problematic exactly. one. Yeah, exactly. I th that's, uh, uh, you've outlined my, my point. So basically, um, the financial intermediaries, the finance sector, the private so have been delegated by society, by governments, this responsibility of investing our capital. But you, you can invest capital in a way which increases your own revenue, right? and which is what they do because their job is to increase their own revenues. They're private, you know, private companies, right? So that's their, their motivation. So the theory says, well, that's great because, because, uh, um, because they, uh, you know, uh, they, uh, uh, in their maximizing their profits, they everyone is better off. But um, I'm saying that this is not the case. By them, you know, you can you can easily um, allocate capital, which which then uh, uh, increases your own revenue. And much of this can be a sort of Ponzi scheme where where uh, 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 finance reinvests money in finance and and uh, and therefore increases its its revenue. Now. Um, from if you look at the, the economy as a system, uh, you know, you might like say, well, if, if you know, finance sector increases its own revenue and pays its staff does very highly, does that actually matter? Well, well, actually, it does because finance is an intermediate between uh, um, uh, the suppliers and users of capital, right? It doesn't, no one wants 
a, you know, a CDO, but people might want a car, right? So, so if, if there's a larger and larger finance sector, um, uh, it's taking more and more profits away from the other, you know, the people who make cars and the people who buy cars. Ultimately, uh, uh, the real economy is diverting resources into the finance sector, which, is, which, which seems to be continually growing. And this, this is a, a sign of, uh, this is like a, a pathology. It's a, it's a symptom of, of something is not right. Uh, whereas, um, particularly up to the financial crisis, um, governments are thinking, you know, we've got this big finance sector, that's, that's really good, you know, it's an industry you know, creating wealth, but actually it's not. It's diverting wealth to itself from, from the rest of the economy. So moving on just a moment, um, your book calls for a new global industrial revolution, which aligns with your own personal work with uh, climate bonds. And I'm wondering what role the financial sector could play in bringing about this new global industrial revolution that you call for. Yeah, well, I I wouldn't say the book calls for a new. Uh, other people have said that that we need a new industrial revolution to 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 transform it to go from what we have a, a an unsustainable economy into a sustainable economy. Um, and we know actually the thing about finance, uh, in not so much in the book, but in this interview, I, I've apparently denigrated it. But finance is very powerful. It has it actually does a lot of things well. So, for example. You know, the payment system works uh, or you can buy insurance or you know, or if you put your money in a bank you you, you think it's, it's not going to disappear these are all things that lots of people in the world don't have access to right? um, but <coughs> um, and the tools of finance do work uh, but they have to be pointed in the right direction so uh, uh, we need to uh, reduce the cost of capital on stuff which which is uh, um, um, uh, which will which will lead to a sustainable future so um, for example so one way we could do this is uh, you know, when you if you save for a pension in, in the US and the UK you the government gives you incentive it gives you a tax incentive right but uh, it doesn't say what you need to do with that money and, and one of my proposals is to say well you only get that tax break if your um, if your investment is used for good stuff. Now, it's not up to me to define what good stuff is. It's up to you know the government or society to define you know, w w what is good. Um, <clears throat> and I know that will be problematic, but it doesn't mean that that society can't decide. So, for example, you know if you save your money and that money gets invested to build a hospital, most people would agree that would be a good thing for it, 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 it to do. Then you should get a tax benefit. But if your your money is invested in Exxon shares, I don't see how that really benefits anyone. And so uh, uh, the uh, uh, you shouldn't get this tax benefit or incentive to, to save in this, this way, which is what currently happens. Interesting. So as you point out, um, you're not a critic of the whole financial system in a blanket way, but you're calling for a change. And one of the points that you've made is that some of the work in financial services just seems to be socially useless. Mm -hmm. Yet these actors in the financial sector receive <laughs> um, very high pay compared to the rest of of workers in society. Mm -hmm. But it's not the individual 
people in financial services that you critique. It's the system. So if people want to pursue careers in finance, how can they do work such as you're doing, work for the good, yet um, applying their finance background? What, what specific uh, pathways might be available to them? Well, if I, a young person was setting out on the, their career path and they wanted, wanted to, you know, what should they work? I, I think that, that working in finance is a very good thing, a skill to learn, right? And, uh, uh, and, and in any, uh, I think the, I, I would start out you know, projecting on a, on a young new graduate, right, who's starting a career. I would you know, work in finance, you know, in really any of the aspects, in any of the expressions of, of, of finance, you know, like a fund manager or investment bank, but then with a critical perspective. So try and have your eyes open and, um, and say, well, what is actually this doing? What I'm doing? What is it doing? What good is it doing? What good could it do? And, and I think, you know, the, the, the thing about the finance system is an incredibly complex beast. I only understand little bits of it, really. Um, and uh, any part of it the tools within that part could be you know could be used for um uh uh to to help us move to a more sustainable future i feel um uh, so it's kind of up really up to the individual with one tools and two a critical uh thinking mind right and actually think if you just want to make money having a critical thinking mind is actually very useful you know i'm sure soros or or, or, or Warren Buffett have critical minds, right? And that's how they've made lots of money. But, but uh, it, you know, if you, uh, if you want to use the tools, of, I think you need to learn the tools and then you know, understand what they do or what they can be used for. Excellent advice for the Bard MBA students, among many others. And one final question, there's an emerging role of FinTech and you reference it throughout your book and could you say more from your vantage point of having had a career in finance is this potentially transformative for the good for the bad hopes and dreams for that sector well i think it's potentially tr transformative i even think i'm pretty sure it is um and one of the things it's going to do is it will uh, you know reduce the size of uh, it will replace many jobs um so um, you know, for example, if you, you know, instead of uh, uh, humans uh, managing money, now you, a computer can do it for a fraction of the price. So you don't need all those you know, expensive people. So there will be, there will be, and there is a, a kind of reduction in, in, in jobs in finance. But it, it doesn't necessarily, and some, um, uh, uh, some forms of fintech are actually kind of inherently. Uh, um, disruptive and um could be like you know pro people who have not got access to finance so for example peer-to-peer -peer lending where you you cut out the bank and you lend you know, directly to another individual it, it might be easier then for poorer people for example to have to have access to this form of finance in fact it was kind of invented in in developing countries um but um it doesn't necessarily mean that the outcome will be better right from a you know societal sustainability point of view because 
um, you, if we, in many areas of technology, you have a winner takes all. So you have like Uber who dominates, or or or, or um, the uh, uh, or Airbnb. You only have one one company. So you you might then end up with you know, one or two enormously big and powerful um, uh, entities who control control the marketplace. Um, and and there's no reason that these entities will be any you know better than the better or worse than Goldman Sachs or, or Morgan Stanley. Yeah, so uh um yeah so so it, it will there will be change um and that change gives an opportunity to you know, people who 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 want to direct the, the system but it doesn't it's not inevitably inevitable that things will be better or worse it will just be different. Thank you Nick. Any parting uh, comments that you'd like to make before we uh, pass this back to Katie? Oh, well, look, just first of all, thank you very much for, for, for interviewing me. And I just didn't really say that the, you know, the motivation behind the book was after the financial crisis, I thought, well, and this was a clear case of where this is the government, this, this current system exists because of the goodwill of governments who, who bailed it out. Um, so the governments bailed it out, and then they recreate, try to recreate exactly the same system as before with a few you know, modifications. I thought, is that really the best we can think of? You know, surely, if it's a free market, fine, but then it's failed, so it doesn't need a, a government to support it. Um, but um, uh, it's like, you know, well, what do we really want? To, we've got an opportunity here to decide what we really want finance uh, uh, to do. and. Uh, um, uh, and and we haven't uh, you haven't taken it from a lack of imagination. So so I'm my book for critiques the current system why it's not right. And I I have some suggestions and answers, but I I want to almost throw it out there and say look you know the current system doesn't work very well, um, uh, but it's got good points to it. You know we have to decide what we want out of it. It's not really up for me to decide. It's up you know, for for society or uh, to debate to debate this. So, so I think that's my, like, my parting shot. Finance, Society and Sustainability is available for purchase at palgrave.com and on Amazon. You can learn more about the Climate Bonds Initiative by visiting climatebonds.net. Follow Nick Silver on Twitter at Nick underscore Silver one. Join us on November 17th for the next Sustainable Business Fridays when we'll be speaking with Kim Falkenhayn, president of Okabashi Shoes. Bard MBA in Sustainability. Lead the change. Learn more at bard.edu.